morning, church. It's great to see you all. It's great to be together in week number three of our free series. I, think, I just dropped my Easter invites. Allow me to pick these up because I, I'm going to need these, at least at least these four right here. Hey, I, are you feeling good this morning? Like, are you ready? Today's not just an ordinary Sunday. Today, God is doing something already, but is going to do something fantastic in the room today. I believe with all my heart. Uh, before we get into the message today, I want to take a moment and just celebrate some stuff that's coming up in the life of our church here at Resonate. And this is the first one that in three weeks we're going to be celebrating the greatest day in human history, the resurrection of Jesus, and it is Easter Sunday in three weeks. We're having three services on Easter Sunday, so you've got the 9.30 as you're in right now, and the 11.15, and then a 1 p.m., because we know we're going to be big room for all the guests that we're going to have with us, and we're just so excited about that. And there's something unique about Easter, which is that normally where you might give an invitation to someone who would say no, that studies show that 80% of unchurched people would say yes to an Easter invitation to church. And so it is a great opportunity. So I'm going to encourage you to grab these. I think just this lion design is fresh. That's really good right there. So I'm going to encourage you to grab these right now so you don't forget. Put them in your, put them in your man purse or, or your woman purse. Whatever purse you have, have these on your person at all times between now and Easter so that you can invite at least five friends to be with you and to not just celebrate Easter on your own, but to celebrate it with somebody. It's going to be absolutely life-changing, incredible love triumphs over death. Well, in the lead-up to Easter, we're in this message series called Free, and I've been loving this series, and... Uh, it's been great to share from the Bible. What the Bible screams from cover to cover is that God wants you to live free. And I've experienced that even in my own faith journey. It's the Bible says it. We experience it. God has called you to freedom. And that actually is the theme text that we have for this series where Jesus says in John chapter 8, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's God's design and his desire and his plan for you. So if you're in the room this morning and you're a Christian, at a point in time you put your faith in Jesus Christ, and God has forgiven you of your sins, and you know you've got a home in heaven, that if you've experienced that, God still has more for you, and that's a continued journey towards greater and greater freedom. Because how many know you can be a Christian but still be struggling with an area in your life? You can be a Christian on your way to heaven, and still have that area of your life where you think, if that wasn't in my life, my life would be a lot better. And that's God's desire, is to help you fulfill that dream of walking in greater freedom than you've ever walked in before. That's what this series has been about. Now, what have we done so far? Let me recap the first two weeks of the series. Maybe you have been away on March break. I know some families are still away. And we love them, and God bless them, whatever hot weather they're in. The Lord, we thank you for them and their hot weather. Less than <laughs> But you're here in church this morning. God, here's the recap from the first couple of weeks. In week number one, we talked uh, about the idea of that you need to identify the lie. Because wherever there's a lack of freedom in our lives, it is because we have believed a lie that the enemy has placed on our lives. So we need to identify that lie. And when I've said this every week. When I say the enemy, I don't mean the mean girl at your school. Like the enemy I'm talking about 
is, is not just that mean coworker or that person who's always upset at you or the person that took the promotion from you. That's not the enemy. The Bible is very clear that the enemy is not a person or people. No, it's in the spirit where we fight, where we get free. And so if you missed that, that's week number one. And week number two, we talked about well, how do we shut the door on some things? How do we close the door? Again, this is imagery used throughout scripture. God is helping us to close the doors on some things where the enemy might try and come in, get a foothold, and get get some area of our lives or some issue. We talked about one of the ways we could do that was through a life of integrity. And if you were here, you remember we said integrity does not mean living a perfect life. Integrity means living an honest life. Getting honest with yourself and with God and with at least one other person that can help you on a journey of stepping towards more and more freedom in your life. And this morning, I want to go to a text that is my favorite freedom text in all the Bible. This is a great story. This needs to be included in a series on freedom. It's from the life of the Apostle Paul, where he's just been shipwrecked. And then he gets a snake comes out, bites him on the hand, and he shakes that thing off into the fire. I, I want to talk this morning on the, the subject, shake it off. Shake it off. Now, I want to say, this is very important. We are not the just get over it church. When I say shake it off, I am not saying that God will not have a journey for you in the process of getting free. There will be a journey. Like, for example, if there's a struggle in your marriage, most likely the journey towards health and freedom in your marriage and not freedom that, like, I'm out of this marriage. Freedom in the marriage. Come on, somebody. Freedom within the marriage is going to come from a journey where you've got to have prayer and you've got to have some more people and relationship in your life and you've got to have godly counsel and you've got to have probably a whole lot of professional counseling if you're anything like us. Come on, somebody. You need some wisdom to come into this space where grace was going to make it work. Come on, somebody. There is a journey for you. But on that journey, I'm going to preach this morning. But on that journey, you need someone to show up and look you in the eyes and say, it's time to shake it off. You're on a journey. God is freeing you. It's going to take a journey. But at various points in that journey, somebody needs to come alongside you and say, hey, look at that thing that's holding on to your life. Shake it off. Shake it off. This, this week, I feel like the first four rows are really, really with me. But if you sat in the fifth row, I feel like the volume level might not be getting to you. So I will be working to reach you fifth row. One, two. Yeah. This week, Avia and I, uh, we were up early, because Abby's up early. Uh, I try, uh, I, uh, I, I don't try, I wake up before the kids to pray. How long that prayer time is depends on, of course, when they get up. But Abby was up early on this day, and we decided that we would make some puzzles while we were waiting for everybody else to make it, to wake up. And so there we are, we're making puzzles on the main floor of our house, and all of a sudden, Abby screams as loud as she can, and runs to the couch and jumps up on the couch. And I said, honey, what is it? And she screams, Spider! As she points right at my feet. <laughs> I'm preaching, so I will need a little bit of water here. This is it's a different level. <laughs> so I look down at my feet, and I see what was the largest wood spider I've ever seen in my life. Like, this thing looked like it just got out of the cupboard where it had been eating nachos. It was, this thing had biceps. I wanted to kill it with my shoe. It was wearing my shoes. I understand this was a big spider. Now the macho part of the story is that I killed this thing like a boss. I'm like, yeah, yeah. 
Well, let me see. How many women in your home, you are, you are the insect killer? Let me see your hands. Yeah? Yeah? See a couple husbands. Get that hand in. <laughs> Crush your pride. It's both of you. We can. So I killed this thing like a boss. But the not so much a part of the story is that night, I woke up in the middle of the night. I could not sleep for, I want to say, about 40 minutes because I was so scared of this thing. Like after me in my bed. Now why do I tell that story other than the fact that you're probably not going to be able to sleep as well as you wanted to tonight? Why would I tell that story? Maybe there's something in your life, like Abby is in that moment, that you hate and you want to get rid of, and you just need someone to show up today and come on and say, come on, you can shake it off. You can shake it off. So how do we see this in the text? Let's go to Acts chapter 27 and 28, where we find this story from the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul, at this point in the journey, has been ministering and preaching for 25 years. He's planted churches, he's seen miracles, he's also been in prison, he's been beaten, he's seen so much. And now towards the tail end of his life and his ministry, once again he finds himself in prison and wrongly accused. And as he stands uh, in a court, he appeals to Caesar, because he knows he's done nothing wrong. He appeals to Caesar, and because of that, he finds himself on a boat traveling towards Rome with a host of other prisoners. As they're on the journey, it's in the fall time when the storms arise, and they, they come into a 14-day storm. And it gets so bad, the Bible actually says this in Acts 27. It said that uh, Luke is writing this. He was on the journey with Paul. He said, all of our, uh, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Everybody on this boat is expecting to die. But then what happens next, God shows up uh, by means of an angel that says to Paul, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. In other words, you're going to make it where you're going. You're going to get there. Well, they continue to travel. They're taking some soundings of where land is. Uh, eventually, they realize they're getting close to land. But they, the ship runs aground, and so now they're going to have to get from the ship to, to the shore. And the waves are coming in so strongly that it starts to break apart this ship. And we read in verse 43 where a centurion is giving orders that those who could swim are to jump overboard first and make for land, and the rest are to make it on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. And I just want to pause there for a minute, because it's not really the context or content of the freedom message this morning, but I think there is such a beautiful picture in here that, that I think we need to grasp from this text, and, and it's this. Many times, we think that the journey to freedom will look like a cruise ship, but what I've discovered from my own life is that often God gets me to where he wants to get me, and he will get you where he wants to get you, not on the boat that was originally taking you there, but on the broken pieces of what's left after your life falls apart. Maybe you're thinking that because my business or my ministry did not take off and it has been years of struggle and toil that God's plan is not to get you there. When the reality is that God is not going to get you there in the timing that you expected to get there or on the vessel that you thought would take you there, but he can still get you there when all that's left is brokenness. And some people have looked at your life, and you've even heard it said, they're a broken person, they can't do much, whether they actually said it or you believe they were thinking it. You have identified yourself in that way, and today God is saying, hey, I want to take that brokenness inside of your life, 
and I want to take it and turn it around and get you to where I've called you to be. I don't need you to be the full shit put all together. No, God's glory is not using great people to do great things. It's always taking broken pieces and still getting you there. Oh, I wish I could preach a little bit this way. I wish, I wish that my ears weren't so wax-coated that I could hear you shout me down. And that's not even the message. That's just the, that's the context. So we pick up in chapter 28. Paul gets to shore and it says that it had begun to rain and it was cold. And Paul had gathered some sticks, put them on the fire, a viper came up because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Interestingly enough, that was true. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, Paul, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. He shook it off. And in the midst of this series where we're painting a picture of a journey for freedom, I, I came here today to say there's an area of your life that you've been identifying with as being part of who you are today. It's not who you it's not what God's called you to. It's not that discouragement is not a part of who you are. That fear is not a part of who you are. It's simply an attack of the enemy that has latched itself onto your life that you have the ability to shake off. So how do we do it? How do we shake it off? It's clearly it's more than just a, a, a there's got to be some way for me to understand how I can do it. Because if I could, if it was easy, I would have done it already. Well, there are some difficult things that we're going to be able to do it, but we got to see how we do it. We see the biblical evidence of how we do it from Paul's life right here in Acts chapter 28. I want to look at some keys for me being able to shake this thing off. You ready for this? Are you taking notes, or is someone taking notes for you? <laughs> Come on, get your iPhone out. It's already out. You're, you're putting, you're posting on Instagram. Hashtag Resonate Church, which is great. Now flip over to the notes app. This is going to change. First thing we see that Paul realizes, and it helps him shake this thing off, is that is that freedom is not a lack of opposition. Freedom is not a lack of opposition. When you see someone who's living free, someone who's living free in joy, someone who's living free in sexual purity, someone who's living free in generosity, and all those things in their life look easy to them, please understand that freedom always takes a fight. And I think that might be a little bit lost on our generation. It's definitely lost on me. If I, had, if I was living in the 1940s, I would probably understand that freedom took a fight. But being a middle of the road between Gen X and Millennial as I am, right on the border. I don't know what I am. I'm just in the middle. I'm 1980. Don't do the math. Freedom always takes a fight. And we can see this from the Apostle Paul. You have to understand that an attack is going to come. Look at when the enemy attacks Paul at his most depleted moment. Is, not, is this not how it is in your life? That temptation to cope with food or to cope with uh, pornography or to cope with drinking too much 
or some we talk about those ones a lot, but here's here's one that we don't often bring to the light. To cope in isolation and removing yourself from being around great people who can help you get through some stuff, but to decide I don't feel good, so I don't want to be around anybody. So to cope by becoming a hermit. We do this. If we don't know that an attack is coming, we will not be ready to say, hey, I saw you coming, I shook it off. The best fighters are the ones who knows where the punch is coming from. So we need to be able to identify when we're feeling depleted knowing that an attack is coming. Look at Paul's life. He's just been on a boat that has been in the middle of a storm for 14 days. They at one point threw all the food overboard. They had been trying to uh, keep it for they just to, to they, they thought they were going to run out, and they get to a point eventually where they throw it overboard as they're trying to make it to land and not run around. And so we can tell Paul is hungry. Paul is no doubt tired. Paul's been seasick for a long time. Paul's not feeling good, and he just had to swim to shore. And wouldn't you know, when he gets to shore, it starts to rain and it's cold. Now, after all of that, being completely and utterly depleted, the enemy attacks fastens itself to his hand in, the, in that moment when he is so down. Can I get real and practical with you this morning? Can we do that? I'm going to do it with this. <laughs> Rachel, who's probably at the back or feeding, my wife Rachel, has alerts in her phone that I have put in, my, in her phone for when I feel depleted in life. There are alerts that go off every week. There are alerts that only go off once a month. And there are alerts that only go off once a year. There are, I, I know when I feel depleted. And it's the same for me as it is for you when you're depleted. The temptation to cope with whatever that thing is that you would cope with in your life comes stronger than ever before. You've got to understand when you feel weak so that you understand the enemy is going to attack and when the enemy does attack it's not a surprise when you say I saw you coming and so the alert goes off on Rachel's phone and it's like all caps and it says connect with Shane physically and emotionally or as Rachel would say emotionally and physically <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to preach these messages once our kids are old enough to be in the service <laughs> In some ways, I'm already preparing by referring to it as connect physically and emotional. I'm ready for it. They can come today. It's fine. They'll be ready. You know what I'm talking about. You've got to know that freedom does not mean you will never be attacked. It is always going to take work. But when you understand when that attack is coming, you look that thing in the eye and you're like, Freedom is not black opposition. Second thing we see. Paul's ability to shake it off. If you're going to be able to shake it off, keep moving towards what God's called you to do. The second thing we see here is you've got to know your Rome. You've got to know your Rome. Remember in chapter 27, the angel shows up and says, you're going to stand, you must stand before Caesar. In other words, Paul's got a promise from God to fulfill. And he will stand before Caesar. And when this poisonous snake jumps out of the fire and fastens itself to Paul, Paul knows one thing. What enables him to shake it off is that he knows he's not yet gotten to the place that God has called him to get to. You will not shake off the mess of today if you don't have something you're moving towards tomorrow. 
Maybe right now your prayer life is non-existent. But one day, you're going to lay hands on somebody and pray for them, and they are going to be healed by faith in Jesus' name. Why? Because God is able to flip a switch in your life and say, that's your Rome. Go after it. Pursue it. Maybe for you, it's going to be, your Rome is going to be starting a small group, the next small group semester. Why? Because you need a Rome to chase after. You need some people to fight for. If you do not know where God is leading you, and if you don't passionately pursue something where God has said he's going to take you, you will not leave the snake bite behind. You won't have a passion to shake that thing off. Listen, as you start that small group, somebody else's salvation is going to become your room. And you're going to be fighting for it. You're going to say, I'll shake that off so I can move after that room. Somebody else's healing becomes your room. Fighting for their marriage becomes your room. I've got somewhere I'm going, which means I am not going to hold on to this mess today. I've got somewhere to be. Come on, somebody. We will not ever shake off the stuff that sticks to us passionately and vigorously enough if we do not know where God has called us to be. I ran into someone recently, and I hadn't seen her in a while. We went to church a number of years ago together. We chit-chatted for a few minutes, and then I was like, I said, we're going to church these days. She said, I'm not going to church. And then I said, okay, well, how's your faith? She said, my faith is good. I believe in Jesus and I'm doing well. And I hear that story all the time. Every time I hear it, my heart breaks. Please understand, I believe that you can be going to heaven and not be connected into the life of a church. That you can be saved, going to heaven, but not be connected with what God has intended for you to do the faith journey without a family and without community, because he never wanted the faith journey to simply be about us. He wants you to have a greater Rome, somebody else that you're going to preach to. Why does Paul got to get to Rome? He's still got some people that God has said, I want you to go and talk to in Rome. Paul's not going to Rome because there's a theme park there. He's going there to share Jesus. The reason he is leaving it behind and pressed, come on somebody, you need to know your own. You're really going to shake things off. Where are you going? What's your own? What's that thing you're passionately after? That's why as a church, we unapologetically talk about next steps every single week. And not because we're trying to build a church, although we are doing that. No, because we're trying to build your life. We're trying to help you know Rome. We're trying to give you a vision of what God can do through you. And today is step one, somebody. Come on up. You know it's always going to be in the message when it's step number one. <laughs> So the first thing we see, Paul knows, Paul knows that even when I'm depleted and lightweight, I'm going to have to get something. He also knows his knowledge. And what's the third and the final thing we see in this text allows Paul to shake it off? Is Paul is aware of the power of God that's working within him. And let me explain that. Sounds maybe a little Christianese. It's like, what does it mean? But let's go deep. Aware of power that's working within. Let me set it up this way. The Bible, I think most of us would know that in Genesis, Satan shows up as a snake. He sees this, this uh, Satan as a snake in Scripture. We see some symbolism of Jesus Christ in the Bible as Jesus. Come on, somebody. He's the lion and the child of Judah. Revelation chapter. 
So we see this image here. Jesus as a, as a lamb. And that's just referencing, of course, the Old Testament sacrificial system that he did away with when once and for all he died for sin. The lamb of God. Satan as a snake. Jesus as a lamb. Here's what, here, let me keep trying to set this up. Now, I want you to imagine that we were, let's get on a plane together this afternoon, and let's all fly to Australia. Sound good? It's going to be good. We're going to get on a plane, we're going to fly to Australia. The problem with Australia, and I love Australia, God bless them, the problem with Australia is too many snakes. It's too many snakes in Australia, and I love, I love our resident Aussies here. Some of y'all I might not even know, but of course we got Jess and Jane here in the front row. I don't know where Darren and Lucy, and there's Darren and Jordan. Who else? Anyone else from Australia? Just show of hands, no? Okay, good. Um, <laughs> let's imagine that we're going for a walk in, in Jane's old backyard. And I don't know where the exact geography of this, so don't hold me to this later, Jane. But let's imagine we're walking through the backyard, and, and somebody, one of us, gets bitten by Australia's most venomous snake, the common brown snake. And I know that this is the most venomous one because of Australian geographic. So if I'm wrong, they're wrong. Uh, the common brown snake. If your most venomous snake includes the word common in it, you live in a messed up place. Yes, thank you. Jane says it's why we don't live there anymore. Now imagine someone gets bit by this snake. Again, Australian Geographic would say to us that you're going to collapse within a few minutes. But let's pretend you're strong. And we get you to the hospital. And they're able to race to find some anti-venom for you. Whatever snake bit you, any snake in all of Australia, there would be one thing likely in common with every one of those anti-venoms, and it would be this, the blood of a lamb. Just over a hundred years ago, scientists discovered that if you inject the venom of any snake into a host, a lamb, a sheep, it will, in its bloodstream, produce antibodies that you can then later remove from the sheep's blood and inject into a human to save their life from a snake bite. If you don't believe me, just Google it later. 1,300 years before Jesus, God said, to the Israelites as he's wanting to lead them out of Egypt. Take the blood of a lamb, put it over your doorposts. As I'm about to pour out this flag on Egypt, that's going to protect you. 2,000 years ago on the cross of Jesus Christ, the blood of a lamb was spilled once and for all for your sins and mine, so you would never have to wonder where you stood with God if you would put your faith in Jesus alone. And then just over 100 years ago, Scientists discovered that what you needed to beat off a snake bite was some sheep's blood. Can you imagine when we get to heaven and God's like, y'all missed about a million things I did in a really cool way. 
follower of Jesus in the room today, 1 John 4, verse 4 says, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We're talking about freedom. What the enemy has tried to do is the enemy has tried to put something on you and get something into you. But what you may not realize is that today you are going to lean into
God, I thank you for your presence in this place. And right now, some of you, come on, myself included, let's, if, you, if you believe in Jesus in this place, let's just identify something that you can shake off today by faith. Right now, by faith, shake that off. Shake off that fear mentality and replace it with freedom. Come on, shake, shake it off. Shake it off that fear of being really known. Come on, you're a son, you're a daughter, you are loved. Come on, shake it off. Shake it off in Jesus' name. Maybe you're in the room this morning. And I'm going to invite you to everyone in the room and heads bowed and eyes closed because this is a, it's a private moment of faith between somebody and God in this place. You're in the room and you'd say, Pastor Shane, I'm far from God. I know I, I, I believe in Him and I want, to re, I want to receive forgiveness of sins, but, but I'm not following Jesus today. And my faith is not in Him. I'm trusting myself. If that's you in the room today, the Bible's very clear that God's salvation and His forgiveness was always meant to be a free gift, not on the basis of what you would do. God made it that way so you would never put your faith in you, but rather in him. And so today, before you leave this place, I want to lead you in a simple prayer of faith that the Bible says will forgive and free you. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If that's you in the place today, you say, Pastor Shane, include me in that prayer. Today, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I've either never made that decision or today, I, I know I need to make a recommitment of my life to Him. And you slip your hand up and say, yeah, that's me in this place today. Include me in that prayer. We won't send you out and embarrass you in any way. Call you to the front in any way. Just prayer between you and God. Say, so, yeah, that's me. That's me when you include me in that today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church, let's pray. With those who raised their hands, maybe didn't want to or didn't raise it, but know that they're, they're praying this today. Say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. All of me. Celebrate those who made that decision today.